Very good. What a great day to be in the house. I am really, really excited as we continue this series, The Art of Prayer, and also incredibly, incredibly grateful to Whitney Wiseman, to Bill Jones for speaking into this series over the last couple of weeks. Very, very grateful to them. You know, growing up in Houston with grandparents who lived in Beaumont, deep in Southeast Texas, I spent a lot of time on Interstate 10 as a child going to visit my grandparents. We, we would sing, you know, over the bayou and through the swamp to grandmother's house we go. And that's just kind of where, that was, that was just how we got around. But I remember one time in particular when I was in college, my brothers and I had gone to visit our grandparents in Beaumont and we were coming back to Houston. And just as we got to the beautiful ship channel portion of Eastern Harris County, this torrential Gulf Coast thunderstorm came out of nowhere and just started hammering Interstate 10. And I had my brothers with me. I was driving, and I vividly remember this. I was staying even a little bit under the speed limit when all of a sudden, this pickup truck comes blowing past us in the rain. And I remember thinking, good, maybe I could draft him. No, I, didn't. I was like, that's really too fast. When he changed lanes and he hit a puddle just as he got past my window, and when this pickup truck hit this puddle, he started to hydroplane on the interstate at about 75 miles an hour. And I saw him do a 180 into the lane next to me. And we're driving down the road. This was, I, I was still, I mean, like, I'm still like a little bit adrenalized just thinking about it. Now, Going backwards was not his biggest problem. His biggest problem in that moment was the fact that he had done a 180 into the lane of an oncoming Greyhound bus that was coming in that lane behind us. And I remember just thinking there, sitting there in my car going, oh my gosh, holy Toledo. And he began to kind of slow down because he was going backwards in the rain and there was a bus coming and, I, and as we kind of went past him, I saw him edge over into the shoulder. The bus went by him. And as far as we ever found out, no one ever got injured in that incident. It was one of the, one of the hairiest, what you gonna do now moments of my life that everybody apparently walked away from un scathed. In Jesus's model prayer, he presents us with a hyper unexpected, what you going to do now moment as he's teaching us how to pray. So far in this model prayer, Jesus has shown us that a healthy, flourishing prayer life has to include praise. We, we, we worship God. We, we tell him, why we love him. We tell him what we love about him. We tell him what we believe to be awesome about him. That's, that's one of the things you do in a relationship with people that you love. You tell them why you appreciate them. You, you tell them why you think they're awesome. I, I've shared with you before that Julie, throughout the course of our marriage, sometimes Julie will say out of nowhere, tell me three things that you love about me and they can't be the last three. That's just kind of what you do when you love somebody. Also, Jesus has said in this model prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that, that we are to yield our will, our desires to God's will, to his desires. 
And it shouldn't surprise us that Jesus, who is God's agent, his vehicle for forgiveness, would include in this model prayer an opportunity to pray for the forgiveness of our sins, that we would pray for forgiveness, that we would repent and turn from our sins. But then Jesus does something so unexpectedly. He he adds a radical addendum that transforms the landscape of prayer. Look at Matthew chapter six. Jesus says here, now forgive us our debts or our sins as we also have forgiven our debtors. Verse 14, he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Yikes. Now, it was one thing when we were talking about, God, forgive me of my sins. I, I know that I sin. I'm, I'm wrong. Bill Jones did a masterful job of teaching on that last weekend. But here Jesus says, here's what you have to understand. Forgiveness is the fuel of our faith. Forgiveness is the fuel of our faith that drives every single piston of living in and living out the amazing grace of God. It's one thing to recognize our need for forgiveness, the fact that his grace is actually a gift, but it's entirely another to commit ourselves to also extending the same grace that we experience. And this is what Jesus is calling us to. Now, as we begin this time together today, I would imagine most of us in this room have had experience with needing to forgive someone. I would imagine in a room like this and online, there are a number of us who even in this moment might be needing to forgive someone. But I just thought I'd, I'd ask you a question. Have you ever felt like I don't want to forgive someone? Let me just see a show. Have you ever, if you've ever felt that way, thank you for those of you who are being honest. The rest of you, you have something new to be forgiven for. <laughs> Sometimes it, it's, there, there's something inside of us, I think, many times that resists giving forgiveness. Now, I know on a Sunday morning, we should never admit that. We, we should, oh, oh I, no, forgive it. Oh, I, I, but you and I both know, if you've been alive for about 45 minutes, you've had opportunity to be wronged, to be wounded, to be betrayed, to be hurt. And in those moments when you are genuinely wronged, I don't mean offended, I mean wronged. In those moments, it can be really, really difficult it can be really challenging to choose to forgive because it almost feels like when I forgive another person, when you forgive that person who has wronged you, it almost feels like we're letting them get away with something, doesn't it? And, and I think a lot of us, personality-wise, we're wired up to desire justice. We, we like to know that rights will be rewarded and wrongs will be judged, and, and if you wronged me, then (laughs) 
Somebody needs to help you understand just how wrong you were. But I think we need to reframe our concept of what forgiveness is really all about. If, if you've ever been in a, in a group setting where the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer of Jesus was being recited, you have probably gotten to this part of the prayer and mumbled. You know why? Because we, we all know that it begins, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Give us this day our and forgive us our, now you don't know if you're in a debtor or a trespasser situation. You, 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 and so most of us get to that point in, in those group settings. This happened to me recently where, where we mumble and try to hear what most people are saying in the room and then we try to catch up. <laughs> forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and then we continue on with the prayer. May I just tell you, it, spiritually speaking, theologically, linguistically, it, it doesn't really matter. Let, let's just, real quickly, let's take a look at each of those words. Sin, debt, and trespass. Sin, debt, and trespass. Sin just means missing the mark. It, it's, a, it's an archery term. How many bow hunters do we have in the room? Can I see a show of hands of the spiritual giants here? Thank you so much. Okay, if, you, if you've ever bow hunted, you know that when you draw down and you sight that in, anchor that thing there on your cheek, boom. You're aiming for center mass. You're, you're aiming for the bullseye. But if you go left or you go right, you go long, you go short, you miss the target, that is the picture of the word sin. In the Greek language that the New Testament was written in, it is the word hamartia. Hamartia. Say hamartia. 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 And it just means a missing of the target. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. I have. You have. All God's children have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Of God. Now, when we think about a debt, a debt just means owing payment. When I sin, when you sin, we put ourselves in debt to God, maybe even to another person. You know, in 30 years of marriage, there, there was one time where Julie and I had a disagreement. And as I remember, it was my fault. But The number of times that I have had to apologize for responding too quickly and too harshly when I didn't even mean it harsh. Any other husbands ever been in that boat? Liars. They, okay, we have two honest men in the whole room. I've, I've had to say, hey, I... I am sorry because I, I knew as soon as the words and the tone came out of my mouth, I was in debt. I owed Julie. And typically there is interest accruing by the minute until I apologize for said debt and try to repay it into the dishwasher, be a little nicer, a little, you know, whatever, whatever it takes. 
But that's, that's just a human example of what happens spiritually. I am born into sin. I am born into this precondition of self-centeredness, self-defense, self-promotion, self-protection. This condition known as sin, we are all spiritual heirs of Adam and Eve. And so as such, we are born into debt. Trespass. Trespass just means breaking and entering, doesn't it? it? It means that you have entered into a property that you don't have the right to be in. You, you have not been cleared to be there. Maybe you've even been forbidden to being there. So whether we're talking about a sin or a debt or a trespass, it's all the same thing. And we've all got this. So that's why we say, Father, forgive us our debts. But then Jesus, man, as Jesus has a tendency to do, he, he takes it to the next level. He goes, as we forgive our debtors, as we forgive those who have wronged us. And, and then he says, if you forgive those who have wronged you, your father will forgive you. But if you don't, your father won't forgive you. Now all of a sudden, we're in a whole different category of commitment. The stakes have just exponentially gone through the roof. So what do you do? How, how do we think about forgiveness? How do we think about what this really means? I want to ask you to do something, okay? Everybody kind of set up straight for just a second, kind of... Kind of, I'm not, you don't have to stand up necessarily, but kind of act like you're ready for action, okay? I want you to do this. I want you to make two fists. Two fists, and I want you to really and truly squeeze the fist. I, I want you to like really put, put some muscle into that fist. You'll know you're doing it right if your knuckles are changing color, okay? And while you're squeezing that, I, I want you to, to even increase the intensity so that you feel it in your forearms. You get that little garden hose vein going through there, right there. Kind of, and just, just hold that. Don't let go, okay? Hold on to that, and I want you to really squeeze it. Matter of fact, move from your forearms, go to your biceps. Help your, get your biceps working on this fist, okay? Y'all are ripped. Okay, hold it there. Now, while you're holding it, don't let go. Don't let go. If your arms aren't shaking, you're not holding hard enough. While you're holding that, let, let's talk about unforgiveness for a second, okay? <laughs> Just hold on. Just hold it, okay? I'm serious. Don't let go. Unforgiveness is this idea that somehow I hold you in contempt, I am holding you guilty for what you have done or what I heard you have done. Don't let go. If, if, hang on. I know, you're going, <laughs> today's my rest day. That's okay. <laughs> now, unforgiveness, you're holding on, holding on. Now, I want you to keep holding on, okay? If, if it's burning, you're doing it right. Now, on the count of three, we're going to let go, okay? One, 
two, two and a half, or just three, let go. Now, kind of work, work your fingers a little bit. You can shake it out if you need to kind of stand up, and that's all right. You feel that blood flowing back into your fingers? How many of your hands are tingling right now? You know what I mean? I couldn't, I couldn't imagine a better way to describe, to communicate unforgiveness. When you let go of the offense, the grace of God begins to flow again. When you let go of the resentment, the grace of God not only begins to flow through you, it flows to you. As long as you're holding on and, and not letting go of, of the resentment, you, you can't receive anything in this posture. You, you, can't, you can't enjoy anything. Like if I had put, if I had put a Ruth's Chris filet with lobster meat on top of it in front of you, you'd have just sat there and gone, huh. But it's not until you let it go that you could enjoy the Ruth's Chris. Forgiveness is very, very simple. Forgiveness means releasing resentment. If anybody asks you, what was the sermon about today? Preacher had one point, one, one lousy point. Usually we get three points in a poem. One point, release resentment. Release the resentment. Did you notice when, when you were holding your fist like this, it had no bearing on the person on either side of you. It, it wasn't like that person was sitting there going, oh, you seem tense, because they were tense too. They were worried about their own veins and numbness. Forgiveness has nothing to do with the person who offended you. Forgiveness has nothing to do with the person who has wronged you. Romans chapter 12 may be one of the most powerful verses in the entire Bible. Romans 12, verses 18 through 19. I want you to read this, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this, and I wanna emphasize these words. This is the Apostle Paul, who, by the way, is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God when he writes this. And he says, now, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. I will repay. Let me ask you a question. Whatever God does, wouldn't you agree he does a pretty good job? I mean, for example, this time of year, blue bonnets. Blue bonnets. No other state in the nation has the state flower as the blue bonnet. God gave that to Texas alone. And he did a great job on blue bonnets, didn't he? 
did a great job. Live Oaks, barbecue. I mean, whatever God does, God does well. If God says he will make everything right, he will repay, he'll take care of it. It may not happen in your timing or in my timing, but he'll take care of it. But it says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Forgiveness is imitating God. Revenge is playing God. You see, when we forgive people, we are imitating God, whose image we were created to bear, by the way. Now, he says, I'll take care of everything in time. Don't worry about it. I, I, will, I will set everything right when the timing is right. He's already promised us that. So that, that's, that's his bag. So our job is to imitate God, to extend forgiveness, to release the resentment. Our job is not to play God. Well, I, I, I really think they need to learn a lesson from that. Maybe they do. It's not my job. It's not your job. Here's what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation. You can forgive someone and still not be reconciled to them. Now, reconciliation, I think, should be our prayer, should be our goal, but it's not always possible. It's not always possible. Reconciliation requires two parties. Forgiveness takes one. Number two, forgiveness is not tolerance. Forgiveness is not tolerance. Tolerance is one of the most misguided words of our culture. I think instead of tolerance, we should use kindness. We should always be kind, but we don't have to tolerate someone walking all over us all the time, someone who, who is not operating with our best interest in mind. It doesn't have to be tolerance. N.T. Wright writes this. He says, instead of genuine forgiveness, our generation has been taught the vague notion of Tolerance. This is at best a low grade parody of forgiveness. At worst, it's a way of sweeping the real issues in human life under the carpet. He's a thousand percent right. He's a thousand percent right. Man, and think about this our same world that, that trumpets tolerance, cancel culture. How much better would our world be? If instead of canceling, we went to forgiving. Forgiving. Forgiveness is not necessarily, number three, an excuse. To forgive someone does not excuse what they have done. It doesn't say, well, it, it really wasn't that. It might have been really that bad. It might have been. But you can still forgive them. You can release that resentment. Number four, forgiveness is not necessarily forgetting. Man, if if someone has wronged you repeatedly, you would be wise to remember. Don't be bitter or resentful, but as Maya Angelou said, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. Number five, forgiveness is not necessarily restoration. You can be forgiven and still not be restored to a position of responsibility. I was trying to think of an example that we could all agree on about this. 
thought about Richard Nixon, Watergate, resigned the presidency. I think we would all acknowledge that Nixon made mistakes. Now, we can forgive him. We can say we forgive the fact that he betrayed the trust of the American people, that he betrayed his oath to office. We can forgive that. But that doesn't mean that he needs to be restored and be president again. I mean, you know, when he was alive. So forgiveness is not necessarily restoration. One commentator said that forgiveness is a severe honesty. Forgiveness is a severe honesty. It's a severe honesty about pain. Forgiveness acknowledges the pain that it was inflicted or received. It's a severe honesty about responsibility. I love that verse in Romans 12. As much as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. That, that means own what you need to own. Own your stuff. And no more. Don't take responsibility for somebody else's stuff. Forgiveness is a severe honesty. Number three, about injustice. To forgive is to acknowledge that an injustice occurred. It was wrong, and I forgive. But I think most powerfully, forgiveness is a severe honesty about possibility. Forgiveness is a severe honesty about possibility. The possibility about what God and God alone can do. You know, Jesus routinely upended people's concept of who God is and what he does in the world. He usually did this in reference or in the context of the kingdom of God. He would say, he would say you have heard it said, but I tell you the kingdom of God is like this. And one day he made a statement to his followers that was a radical departure from everything they had been taught before. Not what was in the Bible, but what they had been taught. And he said, it is so, so difficult for a wealthy person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And this is where Jesus said very famously, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy person to inherit the kingdom of God. And the disciples were like, what? All this time we thought if, if, if we were wealthy, it was because God was blessing us. And if God was blessing us, we would be wealthy. And if we weren't, then we must have been doing something wrong. And Jesus said, no, that's, that's, that's not the case. And they said, well, then who in the world can be saved? If it's hard for, for a wealthy person that we've thought all along was God blessing them, who can be saved? Verse 26 of Mark chapter 10, the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. And Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Everything is possible with God. Sometimes, many times, the hardest person to forgive is yourself. 
The hardest person to believe is worthy of the forgiveness and the grace of God is yourself. And Jesus says here, it's impossible on a human level. You're never gonna get there, but with God, with God, all things are possible. If you're having trouble forgiving, if you're listening to this and thinking, I know I need to release the resentment, but I'm worried that she'll get away with what I'm forgiving. I'm worried that he'll think everything is okay. Doesn't mean that you're ignoring or excusing the behavior. It just means that you're releasing the resentment. And even, even that, like, like you, you could be like this, and, and then like, man, you listen to this sermon and, and you're thinking, okay, I'm gonna release the resentment and you get in your car and you're like, okay, here we go. And you kind of let go, but not really. And you just go, God, it's yours. I remember about 12 years ago, Julie and I had been through a season with some people that we really trusted. And I found out very unexpectedly that our trust had been misplaced. And for about 72 hours, I was so mad. You ever been mad? I mean like, I mean hacked. Like, like you're so mad you won't even cuss. That kind of mad. And it was a Saturday night. I was coming to church but not preaching that next day. And I just felt the Holy Spirit just prompting me. I, I didn't hear a voice, uh, you know, I, I would love to, but I didn't. But I just felt the Holy Spirit prompting me and saying, Mac, let go. And I remember sitting in our room at home, 10, 15 on a Saturday night. And I just said, okay. Okay. Then I remembered the words of Jesus that said, bless those who curse you. It's like, that may be a step too far tonight, Lord. He goes, no. He goes, you're not doing this in your power. You're not doing this for your glory. You're doing this for mine. And I pictured those that had hurt and wounded us, and I just said, God, I pray that you bless them. I couldn't believe the words were coming out of my mouth. Can I tell you something? In that moment, I felt my body physically unwind. I, I felt the tension release. Now, can I tell you the rest of the story? I also had to go to therapy to learn how to re-forgive because sometimes you have to re-forgive the same thing. That's okay. 
Sometimes it'll rear its ugly head and you'll grieve the loss of a relationship. You'll grieve what had happened and what caused it. And it comes back and you're like, wait a minute, I thought I already, that's okay. You have to just, again, re-choose to release the resentment. But then you think about what Jesus does. And it messes me up every time. And I think about the fact that on the cross, as he was being murdered, having never done any wrong, and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know. Father, forgive them. And it was my sin. It was my sin, your sin, that put him on the cross. And he said, forgive them, because they don't know. Forgive them. I want to ask you to bow your heads. And I want you to know that, humanly speaking, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And if you want to live in that forgiveness, you want to live in that amazing grace and live it out, it's there for the taking. Jesus himself said, whoever believes in me will never die. That's how much God loves you. There is no sin beyond the grace of God. You may have trouble forgiving you, but God doesn't. If you wanna live in that, then we invite you to pray. Silently right where you are, just talk to God and say, Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness, your grace and your truth. And so I confess my sin to you. I claim your forgiveness. And I will follow you from this moment forward. I pray this prayer in your name. If you would just remain with your heads bowed for another moment but it's a sacred moment. Because God's moving in people's lives. If that was your prayer, this is the biggest moment of your life. And as a church, we would love to help with what comes next. So a couple of things that we would ask, if you would, allow us to help with what's next. Just to begin a dialogue that proceeds at whatever pace works for you. And there are a number of ways you can do that. If you want to, you can visit with someone right after our service at the hub outside. If you're online, you can let your service host know. Or if you'd like, you can just use that card that's in the seat back in front of you. If you're on the front row of a section, there's a, there's a card underneath. It's got a QR code. 
You can use that or you can just fill it out and hand it to one of our ushers on the way out. As I said, just to begin a conversation, a dialogue. The second thing, if you would, as our heads are bowed for just another moment, if that was your prayer, would you just raise your hand? If you decided today to walk in that forgiveness and that grace, your hand in the air is a powerful statement physically of the commitment spiritually that you just made. And as a church, as a family of faith with you, we celebrate that, we honor that with you. And our family tradition around here is, as you put your hands down, we're gonna put our hands together and tell you, welcome home.